The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, praise God and great to see everybody on this holy Sunday. I want to ask for a little favor from you. This is a little bit of an interactive homily. So we have these pew missiles, which we got a couple months ago. And so if I could ask you, if you have access to it, to grab the English one. Because remember, in your pews, you have English and Spanish. And so these are all the readings for all the Masses on Sundays. And for this gospel, I want us to turn to page 92. It's the gospel we just read. And so if you'll just flip to page 92 and it is the gospel reading today and just hold to that page and you'll see why in a moment i'll allude to the gospel so just put your your finger in the in the page there page 92 is this sunday's gospel and you'll see why it's important you know one of the amazing things about our catholic faith that we are utterly rich rich in the sense of our of our, not materially rich, but our history rich. Everything, every gesture that we do has profound biblical meaning. And so whenever you hear a criticism against us, they say, oh, you Catholics are unbiblical. We are 100% biblical. And when we delve deeper into the mysteries of our faith, and you, you begin to see all the little details. And one of the beautiful things about our Catholic faith, no matter where you go in the world, by the way, Whatever Catholic church you walk into, if you go to Mass in the middle of the jungle in Brazil, you go to Mass in, in Beijing, I want you to pay attention to the altar. Look at the altar. Whatever Catholic church you walk into, and it will be the same throughout the world. The altar in every Catholic church is always higher. You ever notice that? There's always steps that lead to the altar. Even if it's just one tiny step, you always have to step up to the altar. 
Do you remember a couple years ago when, sadly, in Paris, when Notre Dame Cathedral was in flames? And it was, it was horrific for us. It was news throughout the world. Sadly, the, the roof, the vaulted roof of that 13th century church collapsed on the high altar. And they're currently rebuilding the, the, the Notre Dame Cathedral to back to its original uh, state. So praise God for that. But I guarantee you, when Notre Dame is finally reopened in about three years, and they're going to build the high altar again, I guarantee you it will be on a raised platform. Why is the altar always higher? One step, three steps to St. Mary's, you go to Mass of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, (laughs) you have to send a flight of stairs to get to the altar. And the answer is in the Gospel today, page 92. Listen. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. Woo, that's huge. The Gospel of Matthew here was written for a Jewish audience. And so to delve deeper, we have to look at Scripture from a Jewish perspective. And if I'm a Jewish person and I see Jesus immediately going up a mountain, I'm immediately going to think of one of the most pivotal events in my history as a Jewish person. And that will be found in Exodus chapter 19. It is the story of Moses. So we all know the story well of Moses. The Jewish people are enslaved in Egypt by the Pharaoh. Moses convinces Pharaoh to free his people. And they're journeying in the desert for 40 years. And they get to Mount Sinai. Moses, in Exodus 19, ascends the mountain. And upon the mountain, he encounters the living God. So whenever you hear about mountains as a Jewish person, you immediately think, mountain, encounter with God. The altar here, this here, is a mini mountain. And we ascend the altar because what happens at every single Mass? Jesus Christ comes down. And we receive the Lord here. And we encounter our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. So now, read the Gospel from that Jewish lens. Jesus sees the crowds and he goes up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him and began to teach them. He's mimicking Moses on Mount Sinai. And he begins to teach. You see, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, those were the commandments that the Jews were called to live by in this new kingdom that God was was establishing with the Jewish people. And oh, I encourage you, Memorize the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were, are the moral foundation of our civilization for thousands of years. If we, by the way, if we just follow the Ten Commandments, it will solve a lot of our problems, by the way. Just the basic Ten Commandments. Remember them well. Love God with all your heart and mind. Have no other gods above Him. Don't worship any other gods. Keep, remember the Third Commandment, keep the Sabbath holy for us Christians coming to Mass every Sunday, third commandment, honor your mother and father, thou shalt not kill, 
thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not uh, bear false, uh, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's goods. You follow those Ten Commandments, that will solve a lot of our dysfunction as, 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 as humanity. And so Moses teaches that from Mount Sinai, the behavior of the kingdom of the Jewish people. Jesus, in Matthew 5, now let us turn to it. And he will give us what's called the eight Beatitudes. Jesus is gathering and he's in the middle of building up his kingdom. He will establish 12 disciples, which echoes the 12 tribes of Israel. And just like Moses taught the Jewish people how to behave in, the, in God's kingdom, this new kingdom that Jesus is establishing also requires a certain moral code. And it is these eight beatitudes here. It is the behavior of the Christian in this new kingdom. And what's utterly amazing about the eight beatitudes, you can't fake it. I can fake the Ten Commandments. On the outside, I can follow all Ten Commandments. But interiorly, my heart can be as dark as charcoal. I can pretend not to lie, not to steal and cheat. I can do all of those. I, 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 can, I, can, I can be beautiful like a supermodel in the Ten Commandments. And you have no idea that it's all fake. But the Beatitudes, you cannot fake it. Because the Beatitudes requires a conversion of the heart. Now let's turn and look at the Gospel. The first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now that first word, blessed, is it's a weird word. The original word here in the Greek is makarios. It literally can be translated in English to happy. Happy are the poor in spirit. And let me tell you, every single person in here, we all want to be happy. Every single one of us, we all want and desire happiness, and we're all trying to find our way to, to achieve that happiness. If you go to the, the, to the bookstore and you look at the self-help section, it is jam-packed with books. Do you know how much we spent? I, I looked this up before Mass, before, before we started. Do you know how much we spend on self-help as a nation last year? So that's self-help books, seminars, and you, know, you hired that person to motivate you to, to, to do well. We spent $13.2 billion. Why? Because we want to be happy. Jesus gives us the answer, eight easy steps for free. <laughs> happy are the poor in spirit. What is that about? The poor in spirit is that person who has totally surrendered to God. They rely on Him for 100% of everything. They say, Lord, I am nothing without you. I cannot breathe without you. Lord, I am nothing. Absolutely poor before your eyes. The first step to happiness is to stop fighting God. 
happy. The second one, the behavior of the new citizen of God's kingdom. Happy are those who mourn. We all know that life is hard. And as we grow older, the fact is is that the people that we love and cherish the most begin to die. And it breaks our hearts. And our Lord is saying here, the person in his kingdom mourns, meaning we face death squarely in the eye and we stand resolute, unflinched. We stand there because our confidence is that no matter what happens, no matter how much death and darkness there is, we know that there's always light at the end and that death no longer has the final word. And so what God, what Jesus, our Lord, is saying here, blessed are you whose heart is broken. Because you not, you not have given up to despair. And we don't hide from the pain. Because oftentimes, what does our world say when we're mourning? We have to flee from the pain. Hide. Ignore it. Smother it with alcohol, drugs, food, buying more things, you name it. Said, ah, not, not, not the citizen in the kingdom of God now. We face it. Trusting in God first. Step three. Happy are the meek. Now, in English, meek, especially as a man, that is not a compliment. You call me meek. Those are fighting words. Ah, but when you get down to the biblical idea of meek, oh, it's absolutely a compliment. So the connotation of meek, this is a beautiful image. Meek has a a sense of he who has the ability and strength to wield a sword, but instead sheathes it. So in other words, the person that is meek is strong, but self-controlled humble. That's the meek person. You ever see those people who work out for hours and hours in the gym and they got huge muscles? You ever see those guys? It's 30 degrees outside and they're wearing a tank top. Why? It's cold outside. You 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 can get sick. They wear a tank top. Why? So everybody can see all their muscles. The meek person wears a sweater. Humble uses their strength when they need to. Happy are those who thirst and hunger for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Part of living in this fallen world is that there is much injustice. Sometimes it seems like people who lie, cheat, win. Sometimes, especially as us, as we see them in their big houses and mansions and all of their power, we think, oh, what's the point? I should lie and cheat too, so I can get ahead. Ah, not the Christian in this kingdom. We look at those people who lie and cheat and we say, Lord, I trust you that they will get their due. Maybe not here on earth, but nobody escapes the justice of God, no matter how much we hide and pretend. And as Christians, we still fight and thirst for righteousness. 
Happy are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We have all had people do horrible things to us. People who have hurt us. Sadly, it's part of the human condition. St. Peter asked Jesus that same question. Lord, and you find this in Matthew 20, verses 21 and 22. If my brother sins against me, how many times should I forgive him? Do you hear that somebody had hurt Peter in his life? And how many times should I forgive? And do you remember the answer of our Lord? 70 times 7, which is a perfect number, which means forgive always. The Christian in this kingdom is called to be forgiving. Oh, and that is hard. But we must strive for it. Happy are the clean of heart, for they will see God. We all know that we are sinners. God knows that. And he has given us the path to be cleansed of our sins. And so whenever we fall, the Christian is under no illusions that he is perfect. But every time he falls and he relies on God for all, he humbly goes to the founts of mercy right there in that confessional. The pure of heart, when that confessional, we are cleansed of our sins. And then finally we can see God again. Because what sin does, it not only darkens our hearts, but it darkens our vision. And we're unable to see the beauty of our, our, of our Heavenly Father. Pure of heart, cleansed. That takes humility to go into that room. <laughs> Happy are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemakers. In Luke 22, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, the devil has decided to sift you like wheat, meaning the disciples. Meaning the devil's greatest tactic is divide and conquer. Create division. Create fighting. Have them fight amongst themselves. Ah, not but the Christian in this kingdom. We are called to be reconcilers. So all of those people that have hurt us, all those people we are all tempted to punch in the face, no. We shall love them, pray for our enemies, and seek healing of the relationships. We are called to be peacemakers and stop the fighting Blessed, happy, makarios are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Ah, for this beatitude, it presumes now it is the Christian living in the world and everybody knows that I am Christian. Why? Because I am unafraid to live my Catholic faith. I wear it proudly on my sleeve, and everybody around me knows, ah, that Brian there, he's a practicing Catholic. How can I tell? Because I'm living it by my life. 
I'm, at, I'm praying, I'm coming to Mass, I'm going to confession. You see, the eighth beatitude could only be realized by somebody who lives the faith. And for our reward, the world makes fun of us. Good, I say. Good, please make fun of me for my Catholic faith. Why? Because now I'm happy. <laughs> the eighth beatitude. You see, my brothers and sisters, these eight cannot be faked. It requires that eternal conversion of the heart. If we all want to achieve happiness, and we all want to, it's absolutely free. All you have to do is turn to page 92. 